Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. Welcome in to this week's Fairweather Podcast. We are brought to you by the beautiful Game Network and Roughneck Scarves. And we have a uh, one-time local uh, sponsor this week, and that's Wags and Ruffs. Uh, they're in Little Italy. Uh, they uh, do a lot of... Um, they're taking care of some uh, of the EMTs and the nurses and the people who are working on the front line. They're taking care of their animals. They do training sessions, but they also do like doggy daycare type stuff as well. Uh, so check them out. It's Wags and Ruffs uh, with one G, two Fs in the Ruffs, uh, wagsandruffs.com. Uh, they're in Little Italy. Check them out. Uh, good people. Uh, so let's check in with each other. Chris, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm doing good. And, and do you know who I talked to earlier today? I do not. I talked to our show sponsors, Roughneck Scarves. Yeah, they're doing some cool stuff now with like some masks and uh, creating some MLS uh, logoed masks that you can purchase uh, if you want to rep. If you want to rep an MLS team, you're more than welcome to on your mask. Um, <laughs> how are they doing? Hey, man, they're doing good, man. I think I think the uh, the masks was a a resurgence, maybe giving them something else to kind of do a little bit too. So. Yeah, they've been super helpful for all the BGM podcasts. Um, and we have a very special guest tonight uh, joining us. Um, some places call him a defender. Some places call him a midfielder. So we're going to ask him about that. Uh, our special guest tonight is uh, San Diego Loyal's Morgan Hackworth. How are you doing today, tonight? Doing good, guys. Happy to be here. Thanks for you having did. me. Yeah, of course. Um, we were doing a little bit of research and digging and I was talking to some folks from Philadelphia last night uh, and I know you spent some youth time there so I'm going to ask you about that uh, but how are things settling in here on the on the west coast great so far yeah they're going great um, the west coast is pretty awesome you know there's not much to dislike with the weather that you got here and um, yeah it's an awesome place to be so let's take us back to your youth career um and if you want to talk about what happened before your uh, youth stint with the union, you can. Uh, but tell us what your uh, youth development was like um, in soccer. Yeah, for sure. So um, I originally grew up in Florida. Uh, I played youth soccer there for uh, the beginning of my life, probably when I was playing rec as just like a little kid, um, up until I was about 14 um, is when I first moved to Philadelphia. So um, I just played for the club team growing up there, which was Manatee Magic. Um, if I would have stayed there, I probably would have played for the academy team, the Clearwater Chargers. Um, but yeah, so then I ended up moving to Philadelphia. I played for a club team called Nether Providence FC, um, then went on to play for FC Delco in the academy, and then ultimately ended up finishing my youth career with um, the Philadelphia Union Academy. And, and some of those were in the now defunct Development Academy, correct? Yes, the just FC Delco was. So oh. Nether Providence was still uh, Nether FC, as we were called, was just a local club team that I was a part of. Um, I was still too young. You usually join the academy at the time. There wasn't the U14 boys mm -hmm. academy system. It was still um, it was only 15 to 16 um, was the age of the start of academy. So for when I was 14. Um, it was like U13, U14. I was on another Providence FC. Yeah. And what was it like? I know Philadelphia Unions and in extension Bethlehem Steel, um, their academy is pretty, I don't want to say well-known, but I know the players who come out of it are pretty well-known. Um, what was it like coming through that academy um, structure with Philadelphia? Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, it was really amazing. Um, I enjoyed my entire time there. Uh, I was the captain of the team when I was on the 16s, um, and we just had incredible players on that team. And then obviously um, for the next two years when I was on the 18s, you know, just more talent was brought into the team. Um, I ended up playing with some great players that are around the league now um, that are professional and still in college. Um, so, yeah, so growing up on that team was pretty amazing. And just to see, like, where all my teammates are now is a really cool thing. Um to see, you know, the guys that are still playing professionally um, and the guys, you know, that are just still really good friends to this day. Uh, so 
after your Phil, now I should stay with Philadelphia Union. What it was, uh, what was kind of like one of the highlights of those couple years playing a youth career with with Philadelphia? Any like really cool stories or? Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple, just a ton of memories, honestly, from playing there. Um, but the GA Cup was always a really cool experience for me. Um, we went and played um, some teams from Mexico when we were there as well. Um, and yeah, so those were always really cool experiences is probably being a part of the GA cup. Um, my favorite memory, I think was my youngest memory with the union. Um, I think I must've been 14 or 15. Um, and it was the first GA cup that the union was going to be in. So it was before they had an Academy team. And, um, so the 18s actually ended up winning the whole team. That team had Zach Steffen on it. Um, some great players were on that team. Uh, and then on my team, we had the likes of Christian Pulisic. Um, Danny Barbier was on that team, who was uh, another player that played in Europe. Um, and I'm a, <laughs> there are so many good players on that team. Sean Wilson. We had a lot of really good players on that team. Um, that, that was pretty much a really cool experience, especially to see um, when Christian flew over. He was, just this, he was younger than me by two years. Um, and he was just this little kid, but he was so good. Um, so that was always a cool experience that I always look back on was playing with him um, when I was a lot younger um, for the union. Yeah, I was talking to Evan Valella, who does some stuff back there, and he was just like, I think people people know the kids who came out of that area, but they don't know that a bunch of them came through the Philadelphia Academy, and which is unfortunate because I think we've been talking about academies for the past couple of weeks that – they play such a huge role and there's some communities that are really supportive and really get behind them. Like uh, we were talking about San, San Antonio a couple of weeks ago last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to think that there are, there are all of these names in one spot playing youth soccer and people could have just walked outside and like out of their backyard and watched some of these, the hugest names in who are coming up in the American soccer community uh, play in their backyard. So it was really cool that you got to be a part of that. And um, I'm sure other people will definitely have to ask you about it. Um, now, your yeah. trans- your transition from youth to college, uh, kind of, what was that transition? Uh, why college? Uh, you ended up, I know you ended up in Akron. Um, so what was that journey like to take you from uh, Philadelphia uh, through Syracuse into Akron? Yeah, well, it was... Uh a big journey, big story for sure. Um, with sort of how I ended up in Akron and at Syracuse, but yeah, so, um, I was at the union Academy, um, probably when I was on the 16s, I first started looking at schools. Um, and I always had the dream of playing in the ACC. Um, my dad went to Wake Forest. So that was one of the schools on my radar. Um, you know, just when you're on an MLS Academy team, you, you see the scouts, you see the, the, um, the college coaches sitting in the stands. And so it's always this really, you know, competitive thing to your own self is like, okay, I need to impress this scout that's watching this game. Um, or, you know, this college coach that's coming to this one. So I always sort of felt that pressure. Um, but so when I was about 15, like I said, um, I started to look at ACC schools and Syracuse was one of the ones that was really interested in me. Um, and so my journey to going there was sort of the, you know, recruitment process going on a visit. I really liked the school. Um, I really liked the coaches. Um, we had a good relationship. And so when I was going into my U18 season so I was still on the 16th I verbally committed to Syracuse um, so that was really exciting for me um, it put a lot of pressure off of my last year with the academy because I already had a school you know that was my dream was to play in the ACC and from that point I was like okay you know I, I did what I set out to do in academy which is get a really good scholarship and go to a really good school and Syracuse at the time was a really big up-and-coming program I think when I was on the 16s that year, when I committed, they were number one in the country. That was the first time they've ever been even in the top 25, I think. Um, So it was really cool to be a part of that. Um, So, yes, I went to Syracuse um, after verbally committing there and then following through with it. Nice. And then um, 
what brought you from Syracuse to Akron? I know that you had a pretty good experience there um, and a pretty com- successful experience, I should say. Um, what, yeah. le- what led to that switch uh, from Syracuse to Akron? Yeah, so for me, it was all about playing time. Um, my first year at Syracuse was great. You know, it's a freshman year, and I remember – so many coaches reaching out to me at the very beginning before I even started. Um, and they said, you know, whatever happens your freshman year, don't get, don't lose your, you know, faith in yourself. Don't be disheartened. Just, you know, keep working um, and keep plugging away. So I, I thought that was an interesting text to get before anything started. Cause I was like, well, I feel like I, you know, I was really excited. I was like, I'm going to play. Um, and I feel like so many freshmen going into um, college have this idea. And it was a realization for me really fast. Um, we had such a good team and I was felt the competitiveness of the team. I went in for summer starts. I even got an early start. Um, I was really fit on the team and I played in, I think I registered seven games my freshman year. Um, which in hindsight, looking back at it for a team that went to the final four to their first final four. I mean, we had an amazing team, my, my freshman year. And I definitely learned so much um, from all the upperclassmen. And so I kept ringing those um, texts like throughout my head. I was like, you know, I just got to stick with it. Um, you know, I'm like, next year is going to be a bigger year for me. Um, and that didn't really happen. So going into um, my sophomore year, I just kind of felt maybe a little bit of some distrust maybe in me as a player from the coaching staff. Um, You know, I'm always a player that just works really hard. And I don't know if that was appreciated enough or whatever it was. Um, It didn't work out with me my sophomore year at Syracuse. I think I ended up only playing, literally coming into one game that year. And um, it it was a pretty big blow for me. Um, mentally, it was definitely the hardest year I've ever had playing soccer my whole life was that one semester. Um, and I actually even for a while at that time thought about giving up at soccer. I was pretty set to quit, um, just write out my scholarship at Syracuse and, um, you know, kind of give up on soccer, keep playing, but at the same time, just focus on the next thing in my, my life. Um, and, you know, I had incredible support from my dad and my family who kind of gave me that second to like be like you know you've always wanted to be a professional soccer player it's what you've always wanted to do you shouldn't just give up because of this one bad experience um so I went into the process of you know having the really hard hard conversation with my coach and being like um I want to be released you know I want to be able to look at other schools And um, they were really accepting of that and really, you know, they helped me out a lot with that. So I'm always grateful for that. And I also told myself during this time that was really tough. I said, if I'm going to be a professional soccer player, I'm not just going to go to the, to the lower school. Like I'm not just going to go down to a level that I think I can play at. I'm going to go somewhere that's going to challenge me to be like the best player that I can be. So when Akron came into the picture um, as a school that was already looking at me when I was in high school, um, they already kind of had me on their radar for them to have even just the slightest interest in me when I told them that I was, you know, thinking about transferring was incredible. Um, So as I started talking to Jared Embick and his staff some more, um, I really felt their interest in me. And that was just such a huge thing for my confidence. And it was honestly the perfect school because I was just like, this is such an incredible, you know, soccer school that plays soccer in such a beautiful way, just the style of play. Um, So I was so excited with that opportunity and it just became this like, and when I look back at it in my head, it was so fast how it happened. You know, you're at one school (laughs) and the winter break goes by and I'm at a whole new school and everything's so new and everything's changing. Um, so then I ended up being at Akron for the spring of my sophomore year. And, um, from there, the rest is kind of just, you know, the perfect, how everything I wanted to happen and how I wanted everything to play out did for me in that respect. Um, the coaching staff believed in me, you know, they gave me big roles and, you know, they just, they really trusted me. And especially from like, just having that, from not feeling that to then having that 
for two years was um, incredible. So then my time at Akron, you know, the, the rest was how it went. And, um, it, you know, it all worked out full circle for me. But it definitely was a roller coaster for sure. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine. I did a bachelor's and a master's at the same school. So I, I have no idea what it's like to up, like even change schools, let alone states. Uh, but you got a chance to play uh, for a national championship. Um, what was that experience like, that run and then playing for in that final match? Yeah, it was incredible. Um, that run was unbelievable, just the team that we had and um, how hard that team worked. It felt pretty surreal. Um, you know, I was in a Final Four sitting on the bench my freshman year and watched our team lose. Um, I came on as a sub the year before in the Final Four in Philadelphia um, and lost that game as well. So going into another Final Four um, was incredible for my senior year to be in that position. Um, you know, we played that semifinal game, incredible, probably one of the best performances in a Final Four um, that a team's had. Then to get to that final match was uh like it was kind of uh, surreal. Like you don't really in your head, you know, you're just like trying to process it as it's all happening. Um, so to play in that match was really special. Uh, obviously the result didn't go the way we wanted to. So it's still, you know, a little bit of a sore memory and, and sad to think about for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, just to get there from what we went through in that entire year, my senior year was pretty incredible to end up in the final. Um, and yeah, and then it was just, you know, one game, one game that we lose. And it was tough to get that far. But, you know, like I said before, just to get there was incredible. And, and that club or that team in Akron has some pretty good lineage of people making it to uh, the MLS um, and, you know, any even into the Premier League with DeAndre Yedlin. Uh, so uh, you've got you went from a from one um kind of with the union creating lots of players, uh, Syracuse, a, a good, you know, up and coming team, ending up in Akron with, you know, some good pedigree. Um, do you think that collegiate soccer as a whole does a good job of preparing soccer players for the professional game? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I think it honest, it's just, it's all about the individual story. It's all about the individual quest you know, not to quit, not to give up. Everyone is going to have their own path. And if someone tells you like, you need to do it this way, then that's just wrong because you're never going to, you know, take the same path as someone else. Um, For those players that did go through college, like myself and end up playing their dream professionally, they'll tell you that, you know, they would have done it the same way. Um, And then I have a lot of friends as well that, you know, went straight pro and that, that's how they went for their career and it's worked out great for them as well. So I think, you know, college soccer, um, to go back to your question, if it prepares you for the professional game, I definitely think it does. And you can look around the league and see, you know, especially in MLS, so many players that played collegiate soccer and that was their path. And, you know, it's changing a little bit today just with the number of, you know, academy products that MLS teams are creating. Um, and, you know, that's a great sign for our country, but it's also, you know, we shouldn't shy away from looking at the college soccer player as the potential to be a really good professional soccer player as well in this country. So that leads us into a Twitter question from Fred Elliott. He said, if you can recommend one change that NCAA collegiate soccer implement to make more make it more relevant for developing professional players, what would it be? Yeah, I think this is the one that, you know, everyone tries to think about. And right. I'm going to go to the pretty, you know, generic answer for this, which is uh, I really do feel like it should be longer of a season. It's really tough to go, um, <laughs> you know, for me, like having it not work out for my freshman and sophomore year, it was such a little things, little details where it feels like it flies by and misses you. And then the same thing for my junior and senior year of having great years they also fly by, you know, it's the blink of an eye. Um, and for us at Akron, like we got rolling at the perfect time, right? When the postseason started, we hit our stride as a team. Like we just knew how to play each other. But you look at some teams that didn't get the opportunity to play in their um, conference tournament and whatnot. And, you know, there are definitely a lot of teams that could have 
been a team like us that would have hit their stride, um, like to say late in the year, but really it's only, you know, two or three months into the, into the year, into the year. So I think, um, just having a longer season would help out a lot, um, with collegiate soccer. Nice. Um, It'd be tough to like, think about it though, with, um, you know, MLS draft and whatnot and how that would all look, but, um, you know, that's a whole nother monster to tackle. Right. I know with the the academy stuff, trying to put it onto a pro schedule, I think is a really smart decision for that same reason. Um, I do think you're looking at almost any college athlete to pro athlete. I think that's one of the biggest um, detractors is the season is not nearly as demanding as in length. Um, and mm-hmm. playing, you know, 34 matches plus Open Cup plus friendlies, uh, that's a lot of demand on a player. Um, and if you go into that not knowing what that long season is going to feel like, I'm sure that's a little bit overwhelming at first. Oh, uh, yeah. Chris, do you want to jump in? Yeah, you know, um, I think one of the one of the questions I had for you, I kind of want to spin it, but like, uh, you know, definitely I've been like, you know, checking out your Instagram, and I see that there's a lot of uh, a lot of pictures where you're you're in the water, you know, you know, catching those waves, you know, and I want to know, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of on on that that vantage point, like, you know, what what is like some of the sickest like tides you you've caught? Like, I mean, I see you're a surfer too, so. Yeah, um, I definitely love surfing. That's definitely one of my favorite hobbies to do outside of soccer. Uh, my family's always been into, um, you know, doing board sports, whether it's like snowboarding or surfing, um, wakeboarding, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, so I've been surfing sort of my whole life. Uh, I just went, I'm sure you saw, um, on a trip with one of my ex-teammates, Wes Sharpie. We went to Bali, Indonesia. Yeah. Uh, that was definitely the coolest experience I've ever had surfing. Um, that was cool to just be in a whole another world. And, uh, yeah, being out on the water is a lot of fun. And it's nice. I feel like every soccer player sort of has that, you know, side thing that they love to do and also be competitive at because mm-hmm. we're all really competitive. <laughs> um, I think it's so that's I, a lot of fun. I was, and I, and I, and I, to kind of caveat to that, you're right. Like they do. Like, I mean, when I was growing up, it seemed like a lot of soccer players were skateboarders. Mm-hmm. It seemed like, it seemed like that was like one that I saw a lot or, um, you know, some, some soccer players I know that are from like more like the, uh, the twin cities or like hockey players as well somehow. Um, but, uh, but it's really rad to see you be the surfer. And so you've come to San Diego and it's like, it doesn't get, any better than that like i'm sure (laughs) when when you sign it's like you're like what san diego hell yeah you're like waves it's on well until usl until usl gets a hawaii team if usl gets a hawaii (laughs) team i think that's like the only step up right no i'm still staying in san diego this place is amazing (laughs) doesn't get better than this yeah dude I, i i was i was i was like man that's so rad and it's cool because it seems like, I mean, that's your style. Like, so on, on that level, I mean, you know, obviously we know, you know, you're a soccer player, you got a job to do and such, but how important is it as a player for you to kind of embody like being a professional? What I mean is like, okay, so there are all those little kids in the stands, right? And like, I know that there's the labor and there's the love, but like, is it important to kind of also like kind of embody the lifestyle and kind of have that full circle? Because to me, like, it seems like if you don't, then by the time you get fully into it, you're like, damn, I haven't really done anything. Like, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Our kids have this, this false uh, presentation of like what it means to be a pro soccer player. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. You definitely, especially with something like surfing, which can be pretty strenuous at times, it's all about a balance. Um, But like, you're exactly right. Sometimes you really do need that, you know, extra thing that, uh, you know, kind of keeps you going keeps you motivated as well. Because I'm just thinking like, you know, having those other interests like that are cool because Mm -hmm. sometimes you're, there's going to be that young fan or even, you know, however, however their age is, that's like, dude, like I also identify with 
board sports or boogie boarding or it's just cool to kind of see the meld of what else a player is in i mean sometimes you interview players and they make it seem like it's just soccer there's nothing else and yeah. and, and, I, and rightfully so but it is cool for someone to, to be able to connect with you on like a whole other level so that's why i really wanted to bring out that surfing a little bit because people <laughs> they gotta know yeah i appreciate that yeah no, no for sure I definitely, that's kind of why, you know, don't hide it, you know, kind of just put it out there. Um, you know, it's always good to share your true self. Do you also play acoustic guitar? Uh, yes, I play guitar. Perfect. I play piano. Nice. I grew up, uh, yeah, I grew up all around music as well. So I definitely like to play music in my free time as well. As a music educator, I approve. Oh, nice. That's awesome. What's your favorite <laughs> instrument? Uh, um... I played trombone growing up, but I'd have to say bass guitar. That was always the fun one. Like we would play, I taught high school for a while and we would play, um, basket. We'd have to play basketball band. And so I was like, well, I have to be here anyway. I might as well play something. And so I like, I'm going to learn how to play bass. So I just picked it up and learned and I got to play with the kids and they enjoyed it. Cause I'm playing with them as opposed to like yeah. just babysitting them. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> Afmir says he's got a SoCal vibe. Yeah. I think, uh, my wife came with me to the kit release party and he's like, and she was like, is he from San Diego? And I was like, like I had to look it up real quick. I was like, I don't think so. I was like, no, but you've got that. You definitely have the vibe and it's not just the look. I think it's just like how you carry yourself. And, mm -hmm. and I think that that surfing lifestyle, the beach lifestyle really plays into that. So you fit in well here. So, uh, <laughs> we do hope you stay. That's really you funny. All, my, all of my teammates were like asking me, sorry, they're all, uh, being like, you're not from California. And I was like, no, I'm not from California. And all of them were saying the same thing. And they're like, you really have that Cali vibe. Like, I think you're from here. I was like, no, <laughs> I mean, Florida's kind of similar, but I, a lot of people would say it's very different as well. So, yeah. Are you going to, yeah, I was going to, I was going to say, go ahead, Chris. I was, I was going to say like, you know, you guys were talking about being musically inclined. I am not, but like, I seem to like want to like play very obscure instruments. Like I really like the brimbow and like, the didgeridoo so like i own a didgeridoo and it's like it is a very intricate instrument like once you learn circular breathing but uh let's just say at first i didn't learn circular breathing so i mean once i finally <laughs> achieved the sound i was like ready to pass mm -hmm. out oh that's cool yeah go ahead Alan. i was just gonna i was gonna ask if you're gonna down uh get the new tony hawk remakes that they're putting out uh because it is his birthday but they announced they're releasing Tony Hawk Skate 1 and 2. And now I know you are significantly younger than us. And so you might not no, have been. I played. All right. Played so are sure. you going to get on that oh, one? Yeah. You're going to get on that? Oh, for sure. For sure. I was really hyped when I saw that. Right? I was like, so they're going to remaster it. So it's going to look legit. And the controls are. So that's the problem is you go back to some of these old games and the controls are so like abnormally complex. Mm -hmm. So like it'll be good to get it on a modern system to to rock it out yeah. cuz I'm not a skater which is weird I've grown up in Southern California my mom forbid skateboard she's like you're going to break your arm really? you're going to be terrible um mm -hmm. and so I just didn't but growing up in Southern California you're surrounded by that skater lifestyle so I definitely that was my outlet of skating I didn't skate in real life I definitely rocked the Tony Hawk so uh, See, and I, I owned a skateboard company. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I've been, I ran one for like 10 years and, uh, you know, but I'm more of like an EA skate kind of guy and, you know, I'm <laughs> EA skate through three. I'm still waiting for four. So when I see Tony Hawk coming out with a remastered one and two, I'm like, damn it. Where is my EA four? All right. You know, <laughs> oh, that's funny. good work. Good work. Um, yeah. so outside of obviously the weather and the beach and surfing and it's just a great city uh what about san diego loyal and i mean i know you did 901 uh, memphis 901 launching a new team um mm -hmm. what attracted you to come to san diego um for the for the, your career not just like the extra stuff but what attracted you to san diego as a team yeah for sure uh I mean, a lot of it was, you know, early on being attracted just from what Landon was telling me, um, you know, his philosophy and structure and how he wants to do things are all the right way to do things. Um, 
to see the ownership group that came here as well was a big thing, knowing that there were owners behind this team that really wanted San Diego to be a team to stay here was awesome. Um, and then as I started seeing the staff that Landon was building, you know, like it was really everything kind of just perfectly molded, um, you know, along with what you said, being this amazing place to being a great destination to want to play professional soccer. Um, you know, and then for me, for being on a first team team as well, last year, I learned so much. And that was, you know, really interesting to be a part of. Um, and, you know, I think that's what Landon likes about me, too, just that, that I had that aspect in my career already of going through that. Um, but I saw, you know, learned so much last year with what Memphis was doing. You know, I looked at San Diego and saw all the things that they were doing. Um, which just intrigued me so much. Like it was really just a, you know, destination that you wanted to be at and play at. Yeah. And this is a, a question I think a lot of USL East and West people uh, kind of think about and cause there's always that debate, which, which conference is better. Um, and what do you think the differences between playing East and West um, is? Uh, we only see it either in the open cup. I think we saw one team last year in the open cup, uh, we only see in the USL final. Like, what do you think the difference is between the conferences? Yeah, well, you know, not being here for so long, um, yeah, in the West. Um, last year in the East, I just would say, uh, you know, there's a lot more turf fields. I think, like, actually just the dynamic of the fields that you play on in the East are different from the West, and that definitely creates a different sort of play style. Um, the East is, you know, fierce because the teams are really good, but same with the West. Um, but what I've seen so far, at least, is, you know, you can play a little bit more on the grass. Um, and in the East, there are some places you have to go and you're just like, this is going to be a grind. Like, you have to just grind out some wins on the road. Um, and, you know, there are some teams that are so solidified with how they play um, in the East and in the West as well. You know, that's, a, you know, it's a good question. Um, to see and it, you know it would be nice I've been seeing so much talk from you know coaches in the league um, if the West and East could play more because that would be you know really interesting games to see how those would look right. um, but yeah last year playing in the East was you know just uh, as I would just say from what I learned last year in the East when you're playing you know you just got to really work really hard to grind out some wins so it's okay. You can call out Louisville's pitch. It's fine. They're moving to a new stadium. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's in the past now. But that field was terrible. That was really bad. Um, so another Twitter question um, was, besides John, it says the great John Hatwork. Those are his words, not mine. I'm not going to throw that out there. Uh, what coach or coaches have been the greatest effect on your development? Wow, yeah, that's that's a good question. Um you know, just most recently would have to be Jared Embeck for me, um, my coach at Akron. Uh, his vision of the game and how he wants this team to play, um, and you can just tell, like, in training sessions how much he put, how much effort he puts into just one training session and the style of play that he wants to play. Um, my coach Cook growing up um, when I was on the under-16s at the Union was a great coach for me as well he's now at Penn State um he taught me a lot he really taught me how to be a leader really early on in my life um I had a coach growing up before that as well John Raska, who also you know every single um youth soccer player that looks back every single coach taught them something so it's really hard to just you know pick one that was the most influential um but each one as I went further in my career you know brought something new to my game, brought something new to my mentality. Um, you know, so you just kind of carry a little piece of everything that you learn from different coaches. Even the ones that I didn't have great experiences with, I definitely still have some things that, you know, I took from, from their coaching style. So I think every player sort of has that in a way. Now, I, I'm not trying to chase you out of playing, being a professional soccer player, but it's coaching something that you have considered down the road a ways. Is that something that interests uh, you? Or are you like, I'm playing and then I'm good. I'm going on to something I else. Think, I think I'm playing and then I'm good, but I don't want to put anything on the record. But, you know, I'm, uh, yeah. It's just, you know, seeing my dad go through it and what he's done with his career, um, 
it'd be hard to match that first of all I'm sure I'd you know be better than him but <laughs> no I'm just kidding but um no you know it's never been really something that I always dreamed of doing it was always being a professional soccer player um and so I'm living the dream right now and you know I'm just enjoying it for you know as long as I can right now um well we're hoping yeah, for the future we're hoping you have a good okay. long run and you don't even have to think about this for quite a while <laughs> exactly but I, but I just know that some players are like, I really enjoy coaching, so it's something yeah. I'm definitely looking into. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, I was teaching when I was 23. But, I mean, this is why I tell my students, like, you don't have to make up your mind now. you got plenty of time. Exactly. You, you got your exactly. first career to take care of. Um, yeah, exactly. Now, before I – mean, I know training has started to kick back up again, and I know you guys have done your, like, the Zoom stuff, but what have you been doing to kind of – keep busy, keep sharp, both physically and probably more importantly, mentally, uh, through the last month, two months. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just, I do a lot of running. Um, I've always been, I always try and pride myself on being one of the fittest players on the field. Um, that's been one of my like keystones for me, my whole career and my whole life. Uh, and I actually, as most people would call me insane, I actually enjoy running. Um, <laughs> like especially really long runs. So, you know, I literally just go on really long runs, um, try and push the pace every single time. Uh, And then every single day, at least try and juggle at the minimum, you know, get a ball and go against the wall and just, you know, there's not much that you can do that we could do during that time. Um, But that was definitely just the thing, just running, staying fit, trying to get even fitter, um, not to burn myself out. And then, you know, just to get touches and keep the touch up. Chris is being attacked by his cat right now, for those of you who are listening on the podcast. Um, uh, get that love. This is Charlie Tuna, by the way. So I, you like to run, which I can't fathom why anyone would like to, but more power to you. But uh, we've talked about some of the things you've done outside, but any hobbies that you've picked up uh, since you haven't been really able to, you know, get out until recently to do some surfing, to do some besides running? Yeah, not really, honestly. I wish I could say that I have. Um, I kind of got back into the guitar a little bit more. Uh, I kind of put that to the side for a while. Uh, I think just the same as everyone, just been like trying to make myself read <laughs> as much as I can. Um, yeah, but really nothing, nothing too new, honestly. All right, so you're at a campfire. And you have your your your, your guitar. What is your go to song right now? Mm. Oh, that's tough. I'm not gonna make um, you sing it. Don't worry. But oh yeah, yeah I was I definitely I was wouldn't sing it, man. I, thought <laughs> it was so, so, so I definitely wouldn't. Um, probably anything by the Lumineers. They've, they've got you know, great great music. So anything by them, I just I just pull out. Fair enough. Uh, now we know that uh, Avi gets a lot of props for his musical selections in the locker room. Uh, yeah, he does. Anybody on your team who, because Grant Stoneman, we tried to ask him this, and he would he would refuse to throw anyone under the bus. Anyone with bad musical taste on the team? <laughs> oh, You're, like, stay away from stay away from the. Uh... Huh, that's that's an interesting question. I don't think so. Only just because Avi has hogged the ox the entire time. I mean, it has been Avi every day. Like, if there's no music, like no one's gonna get on. It's you know, everyone's just going to be like, where is Avi? We need to play his music. Um, so I, I think it's a little bit too soon to call anyone out. Fair, fair. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was brave by Stoney not to, not to give any names. <laughs> hey, so I, I got a question for you. Um, maybe this is a, a deep one, but, like, if there's, like, one person who has, like, really impacted your life in the last week, who is it and what they do? Wow, in the last week. Or the last two, but, you know, I mean, anything that stands out. Huh. That's interesting. Um, I don't know if there's really anything that stands out to me in the past two weeks. Um, You know, I always have to just do the cliche one, but it's usually always my dad giving me, you know, life lessons or whatnot. Um, That's sort of someone I always look up to, so. Not to be too corny and cliche, but. No, no, no. And there's nothing. It's the only one off the top of my head, you know. No, and there's nothing corny or cliche, but I, I will I will go this route and say, uh, since you brought that up, is there anything that he has taught you 
that you have learned firsthand, like now that you're like, you know, that you're out of the house that you're like, yep, you know what? Like, like you either learned it the hard way or, you know what I mean? Or you at least you kind of knew just better from personal experience. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Uh, he does this thing where he gives out silver bullets like every single day. And every single day, you kind of just like brush them off. You're like, this guy's crazy. Like this old guy. Just like, you're like, you know, it's just your dad. So you just brush them off and you, you don't really think much of them. Um, but definitely now that I'm older, I kind of take every single one a little bit more seriously. Um, and then, you know, when I actually listen, they actually come up and then I'm now a little bit more prepared just because, you know, you have a little bit more of a, some wisdom to go behind it, um, with whatever it is, but that happens all the time. So, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. I I feel you on that. Like there's definitely times where, where my dad is like, always like kind of, you know, like drop some of those, like those life lessons on me, you know, and and when you're younger, you're like, Oh, dude, you don't know you don't know and then of course like when you're on your own you're like dude it's just like you're like man he totally does know <laughs> you know yeah yeah uh, it's crazy so uh so i mean obviously you guys got like kind of a tight regimen but i mean like as far as like what you guys got to eat to kind of stay you know within within plants but is there any like particular type of like i don't know junk food or like kind of like a go like a go-to snack that you're like dude like I got to have this, you know what I'm saying? Like the time that you get to. Oh, for sure. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty healthy eater for sure. I don't snack, which like I feel good about definitely today. (laughs) Yeah. Like no (laughs) chips. I try not to snack as much as I can. Um, But bagels are my weakness. Like I have to have, if I don't have a bagel for maybe three days, I I think I would explode. Like, I don't know what happens. You gotta have like the schmear too. Like, is it like Einstein? You gotta bagel have cutter? the schmear. Yep. It's gotta be like onion or chive. Or even just the plain is fine, honestly. But it's gotta be an everything bagel. Um, okay. And that is my that is my one weakness in life. It's just I love. I can't go like a couple days without a bagel, honestly. Like I'm uh, mad at you. Right, I'm mad at you right now that that's your weakness. Like, oh, uh, it's just <laughs> you know this 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 like healthy donut is your weakness. Like, <laughs> I, I love the idea that like he's gonna score a goal somehow. And then he's gonna run through to like the local section, and Alan's <laughs> gonna have his bagel, and he's gonna be like, "Take a bite, baby, take a oh, bite." If you do it, if you do it, if you have a bagel, I'll take a bite for sure. You have to there have a sure. big jump to get up to where the supporter section is. Um, that sounds, that that sounds like a typo in the making right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. The Sim- instead of the Simpsons donut, we got the the Morgan bagel. Um, <laughs> right, I see it now. He's gonna be like riding a wave, like it's gonna be like an inner tube. He's like tubing in a bagel. Inside. <laughs> Uh, uh, have you been enjoying any of the uh, the local delicacies of things like you know Cali burritos and uh, yes. Tijuana taco shops? Any? Yeah, the um, the California burrito is just incredible. Like when I got here, I think it was the first thing that I had. Um, I drove in. I drove. Um, I got in here, and the first thing that I stopped at was. I always forget the name of it. It's a taco shop that's um, near the airport. It's up on the hills. I always forget the name, but um, I went there and I got the just classic California burrito and it was pretty unreal. And since I've had that, I get the California burrito all the time. Um, all right. When, okay. good. when my good. girlfriend comes to visit, we always get like the giant California burritos and those are unreal. So like we're just loving those right now. So, so I, I know the answer to this question, and you may too, but uh, Geno's or Al's? Oh, it's Geno's for sure. With Wiz or without? You have to get Wiz. You, have, you can't not get Wiz. Can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, dude, I had... <laughs> I, I went there like maybe five years ago, and I was uh-huh. like, and I, I watched something on him. I mean, I had one in each hand. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I gotta go. And yeah, if you, you don't get it with the cheese whiz, then you're just you're kind of you're a little bit crazy, honestly. I had never, I never knew whiz was was like that. You know what I mean? Like no, I knew, so I knew cheese whiz from my cheese whiz from my childhood, where you just sprayed in your mouth. You know what I mean? But it's not the same. Oh, so good. Yeah, that's unreal. That's the uh, what is that movie? It's like the Snoopy, not Snoopy. Um, 
the Disney movie, and it was like the Polly Shore character with the cheese whiz. That's that's oh, my first no. memory of cheese yeah, whiz. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. You seen all that? No, it was a cartoon. Oh, okay, okay. It was like it was like uh, Goofy and his son, and Polly Shore was his like son's best friend who like yeah. always had the cheese whiz and made the yeah. little leaning tower of cheese. Those are that was my childhood right there. Um, yeah, I remember that. Um, so I don't actually. We didn't even ask you about your preferred position on the pitch. Um, we, you've been listed on the interwebs as a defender and a midfielder. Um, where do you see yourself and in, in your strongest position on the pitch? Yeah, I'm definitely always moving around. Um, I've always thought that one of my strengths as a player is just you know being utilized in a lot of different positions. Um, I grew up my youth career always playing in the center mid, um, either as a holding or an eight playing as an eight is probably my favorite position, just being able to go up and down, um, you know, being sort of just a engine in the midfield, um, being able to cover a lot of ground, but, um, more recently, you know, I've been, you know, being, been playing outside back or as a wing back. And so that's a little bit new for me, but. Um, like I said, I've already, I've already always played different positions and just had to adapt my whole career. So it's, uh, nothing really too new, you know, fair, fair. And I've been paying attention to any of the, uh, the EUSL stuff. I'm not sure if you're a FIFA person or not. I'm not a huge, I used to play a lot of FIFA in college and then I haven't more recently, um, I've only, I've only seen the results kind of sort from what they've posted on Twitter and whatnot. So Andrew Vasiliadis hasn't been like hitting you up for like tactical advice. No, he has not. <laughs> <laughs> Does he need some? Is it is it not going well or is it going well? Um, he's doing pretty well. I don't think he played terribly well the last match, but he's been able to to beat up some people. Um, we were supposed to play at some point because I joined late to fill in for somebody, um, mm-hmm. and so he. I was going to play him and I was, he was probably going to beat me like nine to one. So it's probably best that he didn't. Um, (laughs) But um, we know that um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was the uh, Rady children's fundraiser. I knew this was coming. Yeah. I wanted to wait to the end because it's a little bit clickbaity, right? Um, Yeah. (laughs) You, you and Jack kind of had this, uh, Jack Metcalf had this, um, this bet. (laughs) <laughs> that who which team would win now to be fair like outside of one person donating quite a large amount to team Nate that really put him up, up uh ahead it was really kind of neck and neck there for a second um yeah are you an Everton supporter yes yeah so that's your that's like your team that that is my team for sure um I've been an Everton fan my whole life for sure um I've always hated Liverpool so <laughs> still to this day um, Man, I love yeah, you already. <laughs> yeah, when, when Jack brought that up to me, I was like, I like, I sort of knew it was coming in some way, but um, yeah, he brought it to me and he was so excited about it, and I was like, oh, he's probably gonna win, but you know, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just do it. I'll just do it for fun, anyways, and it would be awesome to win. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm a big Everton fan, have been my whole life, and so I'm how, really, really not looking forward to wearing that jersey. How did you stumble onto Everton? Yeah, that it's interesting. So, um, you know, I remember EPL mornings, like just so clearly in my head with my dad waking up, uh, my two younger brothers, we'd all just like, you know, bundle up on the couch and just watch the English Premier League. Um, and unlike like a lot of my friends that became Arsenal fans at that time, mm-hmm. my dad always had us watching Everton. Um, and I don't, you know, I think he, I think he supported at first because of Tim Howard and he was on the team. Um, and then obviously Landon was on it and that was a big deal to have, you know, us players. And then Dempsey was on Fulham. So I even supported Fulham for a minute there. Um, but yeah, so kind of just from watching them as a kid, when I was younger, it just sticks with you. Like, you know, you just want the blue team to win, you know? And then as I'm older now, it's still, you know, that feeling when I watch them play, it's like, you know, I just feel like that that small connection that brings me back to you know when I was a kid sitting with my family on the couch. You know, that makes sense. It's always interesting yeah. to hear the story behind kind of like the non-big six teams. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because it's always easy to find the big six fans because mm-hmm. they're usually more accessible on TV. They're, you know, more like it's you're picking a team that's winning. Um, it's easy to bandwagon. So it's always interesting to hear like how you become fans of those teams. And yeah, um, and ever, I mean, I don't hate Everton, but then again, like I'm relatively new watching EPL. So like I mm-hmm. support Liverpool because I had friends who supported Liverpool. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I'll root for them. They're not in first place. They're not Man City. They're not Man U. Because uh, this is like, are now. right, they are now. So I'm happy yeah. about that. But it's always <laughs> interesting to see how, how people fall into like, you know, the Crystal Palace has a pretty big following in San Diego. And that's always interesting yeah. to find out like why Crystal Palace. But then you watch them, and you're like, all right, it makes sense. They're entertaining. They're fun. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you want to root for the underdog. Um, yeah, for sure. Did it irk you a little bit that um, Jack Metcalf scored the first goal and he got called out for being from Liverpool as a Liverpool former Liverpool fa- player? Did he give you no, any? Did, did he no, give? Of course you- not. You know he's got to rep it, <laughs> and all praise to him for that. Did he? Did he give you any gruff about that, or has it, it been pretty, pretty on the lowdown? No. Really? It's, it's been pretty on the lowdown. It's kind of funny just because he supports Liverpool to that extent that, you know, like it's blood for him. Mm-hmm. So when we're watching the Champions League, um, it is great to root against Liverpool. So every <laughs> single guy on the team is nudging Jack being like, like, oh my gosh, you know, Atletico, they're going to win this game. And he's fuming. He's really mad. So it's, it was never like just me, you know, like, sticking him for it and stuff it's kind of everyone so that that really hasn't been there and then obviously with Liverpool being so good I can't say anything as the league's going on um but you know next year's a new year and I'm sure that we'll we'll get into some heated arguments and some (laughs) more rivalry as it goes on and growing up like watching Everton who and who was like that player that you looked up to as a kid like who was the like when you were little, who whose name was on the back of your kit or whose number did you wear because of him? Yeah, I loved Seamus Coleman. I loved uh, Ross Barkley, sadly, really sadly. And I loved Tim Cahill when I was a lot younger. Um, Tim Cahill was like such a cool player just because of how hard he worked. And like even as such a young kid, I looked up to that. And um, Seamus Coleman is a legend, so you know, watching him play, he's an unreal fullback who like reinvented that, but well, reinvent, but you know, he was one of those attacking fullbacks that wasn't really heard of at the time. Um, and he's been an absolute legend as lo- along with Dane, but for some reason I just always liked Seamus as well. And are you going to be really mad when Liverpool wins the league? They're not going to win. The yeah. League. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, if anything good comes from this whole pandemic, it's that Liverpool won't win the league. And now it's looking like they're going to still win it. So. Uh, don't say uh, that. Don't say that. It's don't tough. Say that. It's tough. I've got so many Liverpool friends too. So it's just, um, it's constant agony. But Well, just let so you know, there, are. there are some blues in the supporter section. So there are some Everton fans that are up there Good. cheering, cheering the team on. And that's one of the things that I think is really cool about the loyal is they're, <laughs> Sorry, my dogs are deciding to, they want to fight now. Um, that you have a lot of this, you know, the the Spanish league teams and the English league teams, and they're these small little communities that are really pulling together uh, to cheer on a singular team. Um, so, oh man, City, come on, Afmir. Um, <laughs> but what was that? What were the? What was that first home game like? Sitting like being on the pitch and getting a chance to take in the atmosphere of that first loyal match. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty incredible. You just have so much like build up to those games. Um, and especially for a first year team, it's incredible to see so much excitement and preparation go into one single night. And you definitely feel that in the atmosphere. Um, and so every single fan that came out was incredible um the atmosphere was unreal and i'm sure everyone felt it too as you arrive and you leave you're like you know you realize that thing of why we love sports so much is that we're all in this one sort of moment together in one direction all together and so it's it's pretty awesome it was a definitely really cool experience 
And uh, is there a song that you want to want to hear sung from the stands? That any any suggestions or? Uh... Oh man, any songs, huh? I guess I don't really have any suggestions, but um, I always like when I hear anything original. Um, that's kind of hard to do these days, but anything original that's clever, you always got to give props to, you know. Well, we're gonna have to work on that. I know that it was like a. Let's just start with things that people know, and we'll get going. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. uh, we're definitely the community's building around, and we're we're excited that training's starting. And I'm sure you're more than <laughs> probably a little bit more excited than us that training started because it kind of yeah. changes your routine a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Anything that you want to say to um, San Diego supporters, the San Diego community, uh, before we uh, wrap things up? Yeah, just, you know, um, I'm so thankful and blessed to be here. And I know all my teammates are. You can sort of feel the energy with everyone kind of coming back now and getting back into it that, you know, everyone is so excited to get back out doing what they love. Um, and, you know, like we've all missed it so much. Um, so, yeah, we're just we're all super excited to kind of be starting back up. Um, and, you know, we're all just eyeing up the day when we can play in front of you guys again and going to be definitely you know that same feeling that i just uh, touched on which is that excitement building up and building up and then to have everyone back it's going to be um incredible nice and working it working are you big in social media or no i know some players are one way or another some of them don't even have social media accounts is it where can we find you i'm a i'm uh I'm at, I think I'm at Hackworth Morgan or Morgan Hackworth, <laughs> either one. Um, I think my Twitter is Hackworth Morgan and then my Instagram is Morgan underscore Hackworth. Chris, any last thoughts? Last thoughts. Let's see here. <laughs> Dang, those dogs are getting it. That's what's happening. <laughs> oh, they're <today. laughs> I swear, every time I, I start podcasting, they're like, we're going to decide to play. We try to make get them play and get their energy out, but they've been in the in the lockdown as well. We have a tiny, small front yard, so they get a little worked up from time to time. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. La- last thoughts. All right. All right. Have you – This I guess it's a, it's a last question is what it is. So um, have you done any soccer tricks on a board? Yeah, actually, we have yeah. um, we have paddle boards. So if I ever can get back out on a paddle board, I'll try and I'll try and film that. But you can stand the on gram, those things the pretty gram. well. Yeah, I'll do it all for the gram. <laughs> um, you can actually stand on those things pretty well. So you can definitely juggle on those. Yeah. Nice. Okay, that's it right there. Yep. Nice. Well, we want to thank you. You giving us a lot of your time. Uh, we want to thank you for that. Um, we know that there's not a lot of information out about some of the players, so we really want to check in and make sure that we introduce uh, the team to the fans uh, in a way that maybe they don't get a chance to. Um, and it looks like uh, Jeremy Jaramillo says that you are his favorite loyal guy now. So you got. Nice. Um, so we want to thank you for your time, um, and thank you for coming on and, and, and chatting with us and answering questions. Will the U.S. qualify for the World Cup? Well, they're definitely qualifying for what 2026. Um, so yeah, when we have it. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to thank you for coming on. Um, and Chris, where can we find you on the interwebs? Hey, you can find me at by Chris Walker on Twitter and Instagram. You might see me sampling energy drinks on my Instagram now. It's been a fun experiment. <laughs> uh, you can find me at a underwood 48 uh, we do want to thank roughneck scars and wags and roughs tonight um for helping us out and um morgan again thank you so much for coming in we'll, we're excited to be able to see you play uh and and we'll have you hope to uh, have you back on when the season gets up and going again and you can kind of share your thoughts about how the season's going and uh and come back in and and, and chat some more yeah for sure i appreciate it guys thanks for having me on And uh, for the rest of you guys who checked in on the interwebs tonight and watched along, thank you guys for stopping by. Don't forget to subscribe. Uh, We go live every Wednesday. Um, And if you're listening on the podcast, thank you for listening. Again, uh, we're trying to create content for you to keep you entertained and engaged around this great community in San Diego, around uh, the San Diego Loyal.
Uh, so thank you uh, for w- listening, and we'll see you guys next time. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find other podcasts on bgn.fm. The Fairweather Podcast is also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.